If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. When you spent time with Trevor during the offseason on all these Zoom calls, what stood out to you about him? Oh, his sincerity and his, uh, when I say sincerity, all he ever talks about is uh, winning. All he ever talks about is getting better. You know, it's not social media following. It's, you know, he's not even going to the NFL draft. It's not, you know, there's not a whole lot in his life other than his faith and his family. And I, I, I'm intrigued by that, you know, and winning. And also, you know, the guy gets married and everybody's at his wedding and his players speak so highly of him. You know, I, I've talked to many of his players on his on his team, obviously his coaches, uh, but I always like to ask players too, especially that position. And you have to be a leader and you have to be respected or quarterbacks will fail. And he checked those boxes, big black marks on his boxes. That is Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer on the Adam Schefter podcast this week. Go check out the entire interview on the Adam Schefter podcast. Not that he needs me to pump it up. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> I doing think okay. Schefter's doing just fine, right? I think he's doing all he's right. He's got his five million followers to what? to to launch that out. There. Yeah, was uh, was I Urban... love when I'm I'm pumping up Schefter. I know. Hey, do what you gotta do, man. Um, was Urban Meyer at Trevor Lawrence's wedding? No. When did he talk to the players then? Um. Okay. Well, how many like Amari Rogers, Powell, uh, guys in the interview process, draft process? I'm sure you could ask him then, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, Interesting. It was weird, just like the, the way that he phrased it. It sounded like he was at the wedding. Yeah, I, I, I know he kind of said that all in kind of one breath. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get – I think we would have known if he was at the wedding. I, okay. I didn't get that sense. Uh, okay. But keep in mind this, Austin, too. You know, one of the things that, that probably is a little bit under the radar on, on Urban is just exactly how much he's been looking at this guy for the last three years when he was covering college football, you know, and, and down on sidelines and talking to coaches and talking to players and talking to analysts and, and dissecting plays that we have now seen in clips of. But he hasn't been able to elaborate on how much he did that because he hasn't picked them yet. I think we might get some of those backstories over the next few months, maybe the days following the draft. But he's been doing work on Trevor Lawrence for a long, long time is my point. And I think that's about to come to fruition here on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you uh, keep in mind it was the Big 10 network, but like when you're in that oh, yeah. kind of realm, like you you're still covering the best of the best. And obviously Trevor Lawrence was on his radar for a long time. If you're the quarterback, you're the best quarterback in the country, that's just going to happen. So, yeah, and in, in terms of, you know, research and studying, like that took part long before Urban Meyer got here to Jacksonville. Yeah, it was Fox, by the way. He worked at Fox. But I thought it was for the wasn't that's the Big Ten, isn't it? Um, yeah, because it was Big Ten Network on Fox. No, I think he was part of their big uh, one-hour show, or or like kind of college game day esque. Okay, I thought it was like okay, okay. I, I thought it was Big Ten. I mean, not, not, <laughs> no, not like the Big Ten Network, but like Fox covering Big Ten. Like uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. like they're uh, always like at Ohio confused. State and Northwestern and everything, right? Now, now I'm not fully sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, let me go ahead and Google that real quick. But I think he was with Leinart and, and those guys on the big, uh, like the big noon show, they called it, or whatever they called oh, okay. it. Okay, uh, I got Fox, you. you know? Okay. Um, but either way, it'll be really interesting. Once he's able to completely say, yeah, listen, we coveted this guy forever, some of the backstories that will come with that. Um, and, uh, listen, I think uh, – I don't know if this is a little bit of window dressing in some of these interviews or not, or if it's reality. And I'm going to assume it's reality because I'll take it for, for what is said. But it's – some of these comments are showcasing the diligence and the work that, that Urban Meyer's putting in, uh, Trent Baalke, his staff, putting in on not only Trevor Lawrence but the other draft picks, you know. I mean, to ask coaches, ask other players, you know, really vetting this out. And then, of course, the new news today that, hey, it's down to three quarterbacks. I want to get them all in the Zoom, make sure Trevor's the right guy. Yeah. Like, that feels a little bit like, hey, just so you guys know, we're doing our due diligence. Yeah, I didn't go to Zach Wilson's pro day or Trey Lance's pro day, but it doesn't mean we're not doing our due diligence. You know? It has a little bit of a feel of that. But the bottom line is, I think they are doing all the vetting. I mean, they've had five, six months to vet these guys, and especially that guy. Uh, and and really, you just got to get to the point where you don't talk yourself out of making the obvious choice. And certainly, seems like the Jaguars uh, have have not done that. Shad Khan does not downplay Jaguars owner uh, meeting with the, some of the local media today, and, and maybe some of the national media guys too on a call. Does not downplay the significance of this pick. You know, he said in the last couple of days, uh, and and kind of echoed it again today. Uh, this will be kind of the pick that defines my ownership of the Jacksonville Jaguars for the rest of my life, Austin. Yeah. Not only does that, yeah, that's that's kind of the pressure that comes with being the number one overall pick in the QB. But that's how significant of a moment it sounds. A little bit hyperbole in the moment, but if you really think about it, Shad Khan's what seventy years old. Uh, you know. He might be right. <laughs> he might be right. Well, this is the move that will define his legacy, maybe as the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Well, ironically, it's the easiest move that's ever going to be made in maybe NFL history because you're taking Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's that's the obvious thing. But I think like that move, yeah, it's it's either going to be tied to, you know, a winning tradition and and uh, a culture rebuilder and hopefully a Lombardi trophy being heisted, or it's going to be one of the biggest disappointments in NFL history. You know, I mean, it's 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 one of the two things. Um, not to put any extra added pressure on Trevor Lawrence, but that's just it is what it is because we've, you know, we as the media, we um, as fans have put him on such a high pedestal already, and we haven't even seen him throw a football yet in a meaningful NFL game. So that's just that's where we're at right now, and I agree with Shad Khan. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, Austin. I believe that sure. It's got to do with Trevor Lawrence, and it's a no-brainer pick. I could uh, get, you know, some five-year-old kid to pick Trevor Lawrence right now. All right, I, I get that, but I think it's really the combination, and what you can't get away from. You know, you remember when I did that uh, seven fixes of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, I went back and revisited that story last night, and you know, in there was like, who's the boss? Communication, cultivate a good uh, system, uh, but players want to stay. Uh, draft right in the first round, find the quarterback, uh, all those kind of things. Well, what you can't get away from when I go back and revisit, and I updated that story. By the way, you can find it on ActionNewsJacks.com, uh, and it was. Every answer to see if they were going to turn around or it feels like they're turning around comes back to Trevor and Urban. It's not just Trevor. So what I believe, actually, 
maybe more so than this being the defining moment of Shad Khan's ownership. I really believe the Urban Meyer hire was kind of the defining moment and the one that will set this on a path of they're going to turn it around or uh-oh. And so I think it's that, although the nature of Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick, he's got way more staying power. He's 22 years old. He could be the quarterback of this franchise for the next 15 years. So I understand his point. Well, And also but the I reason think, why Urban Meyer came to Jacksonville was because of Trevor Lawrence. And because of Trevor Lawrence. So I still believe. Uh, what I believe, I said this yesterday during the show. Like, does uh, how much credit should Shad Khan get for the Jags being in this position? And when I say that, it, it's a little double-edged sword, right? Should he get credit for being one to fifteen? Well, probably <laughs> along the way, he probably should have a ro- he has a role in that. But the moves that he made to get to this point, and what I believe is maybe the game changer of them all is really hiring Urban Meyer and finding the right guy to change the whole building around, the whole program around. Now, what goes along with that and the catalyst for all of that is certainly Trevor Lawrence. But I think we will, if this works, okay, if we get some 10 years down the road and this has worked in Jacksonville and the Jaguars are now a perennial winner and maybe there's a Super Bowl along the way, but there's playoff appearances. Yes, we are going to give a ton of credit to Trevor Lawrence because he's going to be uh, the face of the franchise when it comes to that. But I think from an ownership level and from Shad Khan's point of view, I think I will go back to the hire of Urban Meyer because there have been a lot of people that have been able or have reached out to Urban and not able to seal the deal. You cannot underplay the fact that here in Jacksonville, one of the most winningest coaches in college football history, they were able to get him here. Shad Khan was able to get him here. And yes, Trevor Lawrence was a part of it. The draft capital was a part of it. But they were able to make it happen. I believe that's kind of the moment that could define Shad Khan and piggyback that with the success and hopefully a nice 10, 15-year run here in Jacksonville for Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely, man. I mean, listen, it's a horse apiece. Like, yes, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. If it doesn't work out, once again, I don't want to say that and speaking of the airwaves, but we can. Um, but if it doesn't work out, then what do you do? Well, and then you reload and, and you try at it again until you find that guy. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence will be that guy. Um, you know, with Urban Meyer, I just think, like, this th- this is the shot because we've seen NFL coaches have that shot, it not pan out, and then they go, they go back to college or, you know, they just leave the game of football. So I think in terms of pressure, yeah, it's probably more on Urban Meyer. Um, I think in terms of things having to go right, it has to fall on Urban Meyer. And if we, you know, characterize those two things, then yes, if you do have success, then the hire of Urban Meyer, um, you know, would, would highlight Shad Khan for sure. But I just come from the standpoint of, the reason why Urban Meyer is here in the first place is because of Trevor Lawrence. So, like, we, we, we can't lose focus of that. Like, I get it. It's It's been bad here. But if you would have went, I don't know, if you would have went, I think if the, if the Jets went three games or two games last season. Two games, yeah. Okay. So, if the Jaguars, whatever, I don't know how the tiebreaker worked, but the Jaguars won two games, um, and then the Jets won two games, and the Jets got the higher pick, would Urban Meyer be here right now? I have no idea. So just that's how important Trevor Lawrence is as well, though. Yeah, and, and look, I agree. I, that's what, and that's what I was really getting at. I, I think I go back to when I was updating that article. It was like it was okay. That the answer to this is Trevor and Urban. Trevor and Urban. It's, it has that feel. Uh, but you're not wrong. Like Trevor. Well, again, both guys being successful. Trevor probably still outlasts Urban Meyer here in Jacksonville and has a longer run of it all. So uh, that. 
that will be fascinating. How much confidence do you have, by the way, that the Jets will turn it around versus what the Jags will do? I'm not saying who will do it faster in 2021. But do you think uh, – we talked about this a bit a couple of weeks ago. Like, I'm a fan of Salah. I think he's really going to be good. I I think there's huge boomer bust potential in Zach Wilson, although I think bust potential does exist with him. And they still have to get a lot of other things right in New York, too. They're a mess as well. Uh, but, like, are we going to look up uh, – if, if you asked this seven or eight years ago, right, Buffalo was a bottom feeder. Cleveland's a bottom feeder. Well, you turn around now, and those are two teams that might be in the playoff mix – each and every year for the next handful of years at least. Are we talking about a Jets team that, that kind of flips it around like that? Do you feel that? Do you sense that? Because let's be honest, man, Jets have been irrelevant for a long time. Yeah, I think it's going to take the Jets a little longer. You know, and we've broken this down before a little bit. I like the Jaguars roster right now where it stands a lot better uh, than the New York Jets. Um, I like Trevor Lawrence better than Zach Wilson. So um, those two things, in my opinion right now, are counting against the Jets. I think it's going to take a little more time for the roster turnover. And keep in mind, they're playing in a division where arguably you can say, eh, maybe any of those teams could maybe win the division, right? You have the Buffalo Bills obviously come off a 13-3 and season. Then the Miami Dolphins have seemed to turn over a new leaf going 10-6. and six. We'll see with Tua Tungabayola, though. If he figures it out, who knows how good they're going to be because they're pretty stacked on defense. And then you can't, you can't count out the Patriots either, right? Because there's always, there's always a plan. Bill Belichick refuses to lose two seasons in a row, so you like their odds as well. So if we're going you know, division to division, I like the, the Jaguars division a lot better in terms of being able to win it as opposed to that AFC East, which seems to be loaded, and obviously the Jets are at the bottom of it and have to reload their roster. Uh, a couple of quick hitters here. Do you believe what I said? Uh, I've said this. Be the I think there are a lot of good quarterbacks out there now, right? I think the position's being played better than ever before by the masses. Um, do you feel like we're in an evolution of, of, of the QB position right now with this, or is it just so highly in our focus because of the uh, names that are thrown out there, the, the idea that there could be four uh, picks in the first four picks, <laughs> all being quarterbacks? Do you? Is, is this an evolution of sorts where just good quarterback play is going to be a constant year in, year out? Yeah, I mean, I think with with the shaping of offenses now, being faster than ever, being more spread out than ever, they're definitely quarterback friendly, right? Like we, we talk about this all the time with college football. If you implement a spread offense – Nine times out of ten, that quarterback's going to produce some pretty good numbers. Well, the same thing is essentially taking part on most of these teams in the NFL now. So, you know, is it a revolution of the quarterback position? I think it's just more of a revolution of speed and spread offenses and the whole philosophy of which those offenses are ran more than actually the quarterback position. But when you have guys like Patrick, you know I mean? Like, you see what Patrick Mahomes has done, um, Deshaun Watson in the past has done on the field. Like, yeah, they kind of sparked it a little bit, and this new crop of guys coming in now could, you know, carry that torch per se, but I think it's just more of they're a product of their environment. They're a product more of these offenses um, kind of finding a new uh, height in terms of points being scored per game. Here's one of the reasons I asked that, Austin. When I think about that in, in the context I just put it, I think of pitchers, like in big league baseball. There's a ton of good ones, man. Like, we went through a while where there wasn't that, but... Now there's a ton of good pitchers, and they've almost reinvented themselves, right? Everybody now throws with more spin on the ball. Uh, the revolutions they have, the the 
arm slots are throwing from. Everybody's up to 100 miles an hour or 98 miles an hour. And I mean, heck, you come out here and you got more kids throwing 90s than ever. So they've kind of reinvented themselves a little bit through science and the analytics of it, but it's just a, a game changer. There's so many of them in the big leagues that are good. Uh, and I kind of get the sense that we might be running into a, I don't know, the next decade where we're going to find just a lot of good quarterbacks at a position that has been, man, it's tough to come by sometimes. There there's a drought in the NFL. There's a drought sometimes in the college game. There's a drought at all levels in that position. I don't think we're there, man. I think we got a lot of good quarterbacks already in the NFL. I think we're about to get a bunch more here in this draft, and I don't see that stopping over the next five years. It does remind me of the pitching game a little bit in the in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I just think that it, once again, it, it's a product of it's a product of them being a product of their environment. Because if I was to say right now, Brent, name me, you know, the top ten running backs right now in the NFL. It'd probably be pretty hard to do the top ten. But if I ask you that question, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago of where the game was at in terms of offenses, you, you could probably go nonstop and name me some top running backs. So as the quarterback position elevates and, you know, the, every single year there's a, there's a new crop of talent coming in, well, then what's happened to the, to the running backs? They've gone downhill, right? Like, I mean, I could say that. Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Saquon when he's healthy. Uh, you know, there's just a, there's a couple guys out there. Because the game has changed. The the game has been changed more towards a passing style spread offense. So uh, I get what you're saying with the whole baseball comparison. I just think that there's such a premium now on passing where if you, for most teams, keep in mind, for most teams, where if you don't have that quarterback, well, you got to search for a new one. So I think that the, the positions, they're adapting to the game. Yeah, I, uh, that could be the case. Uh, and one other quick thought. The, this, what is it, NFT stuff? NFT? Yeah. Is that, I have yep. that right, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm still trying to completely understand what it is, but I like it, and I like Kuz's idea, and I think we should start it. That and TikTok here on ESPN 690. But do you see, like, the Warriors have really bought into it, and, and they're doing, like, a special edition. Kuz, you probably know more of this. Uh, you're looking at uh, an NFL player who, who turned his salary into cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, who is doing something for... Blockfolio, I think it is, um, in the crypto world now. He's endorsing them. Are we seeing athletes? I feel like this is sometimes like uh, maybe like actors and actresses and even musicians' roles of being on the forefront of of the next wave of whatever. But it, I get the feeling, maybe it's just because of the world I live in, that the sports figures are kind of there right now. Uh, do you sense that today's athlete? is kind of bringing us into the future a little bit with some of these things that many people have never even heard of. Yeah, I mean, Kuz, you want to go first? Sure. I mean, I I would say basketball, the NBA in general, I feel like has always been, in most cases like this, one of the first, um, you know, sports entities to kind of jump on a trend. Like, they, I, I remember back when Twitter was... Um, st- first starting to post like videos of plays and stuff like that, and there was a whole problem where where they didn't want the videos to to be out there. And the NBA is like, no, you can put a video of our three point shot out there as a sure. as a gif or or gif, whatever you want to call oh, it. We and, called it a gif. Yep, yep, you ruined it. Yep. yep. And and so, but that's but that's so the NBA's always kind of been doing that. So it doesn't surprise me necessarily that an NBA team 
is doing this. I, I think we talked about it last year is though the Warriors team in general, uh, some of the players and I believe a few coaches ended up buying an esports team. So yeah. they're, they're in all that stuff. So the, the whole thing with NFTs and why they're so big, it's, it's one reason, exclusivity. Yeah. And when we talk about NFTs in terms of sports, well, basketball can be at the forefront, which it has. There's been a couple of them now because it's it's almost the, the sport of highlights, night in and night out. Whether it's a game-winning shot, whether it's a dunk, whether it's a crazy block, like there's always footage, there's always things trending um, on, on the NBA. And, you know, like a piece of art, people want to have that and say, hey, I own this highlight. I own this video. I own this dunk, whatever the case may be. Um, And that's just something to have. It's just like owning a Picasso uh, or something of that nature. So what the Golden State Warriors are doing is they're capitalizing on the exclusivity and saying, okay, we're going to give you guys like this this holographic ring, per se, whatever you want to call it, um, celebrating the Warriors championships. But then also there's going to be like a ring ceremony where they're actually going to get a ring themselves. So whoever buys, you know, this NFT for I'm sure it'll be super, super expensive because once again, it's one of one. But whoever buys this then actually gets a ring themselves that'll be in person. So it's something that you can wear and you'll be the only person in the world that has that. When yeah. people have buku amount of bucks who can buy whatever they want to, that's when exclusivity comes into play. That's why you see these expensive paintings and mansions and stuff like that is because, well, I can buy whatever I want to, so I might as well buy something that's super rare that nobody else has. That's where NFTs come in with, with professional sports. Yeah, well, we need NFTs to come in with sports radio. Um, well, I've been saying it forever now, man. There's going to be the, the Shock Your Mock NFT, the song. Yeah, yeah. I know. Kuz has uh, been all over this for a bit, but... I'm still trying to put my arm around it and, and, and arms around it and grasp what it all is and where the market is for something like that and kidding aside for, from a radio standpoint. But even from, I mean, it just shows to show you, man, the branding of, of all people, but especially athletes. You can turn it into dollars any way you want to. <laughs> it's amazing the dollars generated by, by these star athletes. Uh, and sports teams. It's really kind of incredible. Let's take a break. Uh, by the way, Jason Fitz going to join us tomorrow. This might have been me messing it up again. Sounds about right. Well, I think it's a little bit of me going back. I got a lot going on, a lot of emails. And I think I did put Wednesday at 4 because that was one of the dates that we were given. But then I got an email yesterday, which would have been on Monday, said, hey, Fitz is all set for tomorrow. Well, that would have been today. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I probably should have asked. Like, I'm confused now. Um, but I just, you know, we always had him on on Tuesday, so I was kind of in the back of my mind thinking Tuesday at 4. Sure. We'll get him on tomorrow. All no right. problem. Jesse Palmer's scheduled to join us tomorrow as well. Here's the dilemma, and i got to fix this. They're both scheduled to join us at the same time now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the, the, the last Shocky Mock's tomorrow, so I better not get bumped out of that at 4.30. Yeah, good point. Maybe we'll go 4, four to 4.10, 4, 4.10 to 4.20. How about what that? What you got to do? <laughs> we got to do it. All right, man, uh, let's uh, shock my mock when we come back. Oh, yeah, it's happening. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Well, listen, if we wanted to just bump WWE by like a half hour or a few minutes, yeah. we should have just rolled your your highlight tape. Austin Lane. Oh, and there it is. And now Brent's playing ball. All of a sudden, Chapman throwing some high heat at me. Watch out for that suspension, Brent. Real quick, though. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. 
Steve Weiss, who works with the Falcons team website, reported that there are increasing talks about a trade for Julio Jones. Well, that's one of those things that when you're doing things the right way in an organization, you have to listen if people call. So on any player, and especially we are in a difficult cap situation. That's, that's just a circumstance, and it's not a surprise for us. We knew the circumstance we're in. Our administration has done an excellent job up to this point getting us in position to be able to manage the cap, and yet we still have more work to do. So when teams call about any players, then we have to listen and we have to weigh it and we have to determine what's best for the organization and we have to handle everything with class. Obviously that particular player, we hold him in high regard and he's special what he's done and what he continues to do here. But we have to consider any players if it's right uh, for the team because we have to do what's best for this organization. That is Terry Fontenot, the Atlanta Falcons' new GM. Potentially in a little bit of a pickle with Julio Jones. What do you do with that contract? What they're trying to do? Quickly, before we get the shock my mock instead of shock your mock, here from Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane, any interest in Julio Jones for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, I, I would be foolish not to be at least be a little interested, at least to get my beak a little wet here and see what it's going to cost me. Um, you know, I think if we're talking, though, in the range of, of a first and maybe a second or third, I don't know, Brent, you know, because this guy's obviously up there in age. Um, you know, when he's on the field, still one of the best to do it. But you just got to question the longevity of his career, how much does he have left, um, and what he can bring to the team. How about pick 45? For Julio Jones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. 11 million, 11 mil plus a year, I think, for the next three years. Yeah, but see, once again, we're talking about the salary cap, and that doesn't exist. So I'm not worried about the money. I'm more worried about the draft capital. If you're telling me the 45th pick of the draft gets you Julio Jones, um, I, yeah. I mean, I would drive to Atlanta right now and, and buy a Julio Jones jersey and then dip it in teal paint and say, let's go Jaguars. <laughs> I like it. Yes. Uh, and by the way, I have no idea what it would cost to get Julio Jones, but um, I would imagine there would be several teams willing to give up just a second-round pick. So it's probably more expensive than that. Here's my thought on depending on the draft capital, just where the Jaguars are at. Julio Jones, who's had some injury troubles, obviously, who is still very, very good and so good and has been in his career. You just do wonder, um, is this the time for this organization? You know, is it, like if Tampa had space, right, uh, and didn't have maybe like who would they lose? Who could they have lost in? Uh, oh, if they lost Godwin, right, in free agency, and didn't bring him back, could Julio James Jones make more sense for them? I would say yeah. Uh, it just feels like a he's got he's kind of on the somewhat decline, mostly because of injury. Still very good receiver, but can you trust it? I just don't know if the Jags are in the right place for that right now, although. It would be highly entertaining to see if it uh, it could work out. Well, right, yeah, but keep ready? in mind, I'm not going to. Uh, you've dissect. Oh no, I was going to say, if I'm Atlanta, well, though, I'm not going to trade him to Tampa Bay and then the division. Well, good point. I'll just say, give an example of a oh, team okay. in a different place. I got you. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a team that's kind of trying to ramp it back up here in Jacksonville versus a team that's trying to say, hey, let's give this thing a go right now. We got the windows closing. You know, um, because you do wonder is how much longer the windows open on Julio Jones' career. You know, yeah. I, I think given the history, the injury history, it's a fair question. I mean, listen, the guy's been unbelievable. Like I said, love the guy. 
but if you can't stay on the field and, and you're, you're always, if your body's starting to break down a little bit, do you come back from that? I don't know. Is that a trend that you're just not going to break? I think that's a, certainly a fair question when it comes to Julio Jones. All righty. Here it is. It's time. Did the mock draft this morning. Kind of like it. I know Austin is, like, obligated, contractually obligated, to not like it. But all that matters is I know I'm going to get a T-shirt at the end of this because, well, I bought the T-shirts. I mailed the T-shirts. And this one's not going to cost, cost me anything from the post office. So re- Here we go. Yeah, so, Dr. Re- mock so real quick, Kuz, before we hit the music here. Let me preface by saying this. Yes, the whole gimmick of Shock Your Mock is that, you know, we have fun. We crack jokes. I make fun of your mock drafts. Usually they're not that bad, but I try to find the worst in everything. I'm being wholeheartedly here. I do not like this mock draft. Okay? This is this is me, 100% transparent, 100% off the rails already, and candid. I am not a fan of this mock draft. Now, with that being said, Coos, let's start the music. He is none other than the Shock Master! playing out is that Brent would be watching his kids play softball and baseball. He wouldn't be here. And I could just let loose. But Brent Martineau has made a tactical error, ladies and gentlemen. A tactical error with a few more Shocky Mock episodes to go. Because he has chose to stick around. And in choosing to stick around for Shock Your Mock, you're going to have to tell myself, Kuz pushing the buttons, and the entire ESPN 690 syndicate what each what each pick, what was going through your head, okay? So with that being said, I don't got to grill the social media. We know who Brent Martineau is. Lovely picture of his kids. Fantastic dad mode. Um, love it. Don't don't need to get there, okay? By the way, it's at Brent A.S. Jacks, in case you didn't know. Bring it up, Goose. Thumbs are up. Yeah, Should be some music with this. No, there's, there's no music. I'll be honest. I wanted to have fun today, everybody. No, Kuz, no, no music. Don't, don't get in the music. No, it's not. Don't, it's don't, up. don't do what he tells you to do. Okay, this is my, this is my thing. Okay, so once again, let me preface by saying this: Brent, you ever seen the movie Stand and Deliver? Yes, I have actually. Kuz, you see Stand and Deliver? No. Basically, this guy goes. No, to the, it, he hasn't seen Goodwill Hunting. He hasn't seen Stand and Deliver. It's a good call. It's a good call. So in the movie Stand and Deliver, this guy goes to the inner cities and tries to teach these kids, um, and the whole goal is for them to pass, like, this state test so they get into a college and they have a better life, basically, okay? that's That sums it up in about a second. I feel like the guy in Stand and Deliver, like, where how do I reach these kids, and, like, you know, I'm waiting for that great moment where I, I shock your mock every single day, and Brent's been taking notes, he's been watching, he's been laughing around, he's been sending out T-shirts. And I've been dropping breadcrumbs of, here's what I'm looking for in, in shock your mock. And we're at test day, right? We're at the test day when those kids take that test. They pass it, and they're like, hey, teach. Look, you taught me something. I'm going to go be somebody. And there's that happy moment at the end where he walks out of the school, he raises his hand, and it's like, all right, I, I did it. I reached these kids. 
This is like that guy went to the school and the kids took the test and they all flunked. And and it's an absolute travesty. It's an absolute embarrassment. And the movie just ends there. And it, it turns black. The kids didn't go to college. The kids ran amok in the streets. And who knows what happens. That's what I feel like looking at this mock draft right now. Now let's get into it. No music. No voices today. No fun. Because I sit next to you, uh, you know, every once in a while because you're always on the road, and that's fine. But let's just get into it. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Good. Awesome. You've been to his hometown. You met his mayor who doesn't know the difference between Aqua uh, and Teal. It is what it is. Uh, pick number 25, Trevon Merrick. Yeah, I mean, I've said him a lot on this show. Thanks for taking note about that. Pick 33. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Time out. Coos, I'm going to interrupt this program, but I need a draft need alert. Because I, I, I can't stress this enough. And I'm going to tell you one more time. Do not tell, do not do what Brent Miller tells you to do, okay? I, t- I tell you to push the buttons, okay? Respectfully, obviously. <laughs> They're hot keys. I tell you to push the buttons, and Brent is not going to, Brent can have his own show some other time. And it can be, you know, a, a little spinoff of Shock Your Mock. And it'll be like a spinoff of a show that has okay ratings, but not as great as the original. Pick number 33, Pat Frymuth. Go ahead and hit, hit, hit the draft need alert because Brent needs the, the application. Uh, yes, that's two in a row. Like, I'm on a streak. Like Pavlov's dog right now hearing that bell ring. Brent's mouth starting to salivate a little bit because he thinks he's off to a great start, which he is. But let's be honest. I mean, you didn't really break any news here. Yeah, it, it kind of fell to you, by the way. Use propopofocus.com, powered by AWS. Yeah, I already got in your good graces for yep, that. Yep, Pat Fryamuth, fun fact of the day. I'm going to be honest. I didn't do any homework on this one because I was so <laughs> upset I didn't look him up. But hey, let's go on his Twitter real quick. This is a live Pat Fryamuth fun fact of the day. Uh, Pat Fry, what do you do today? Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Shout out to Brendan O'Connor of the New England Storm Basketball um, Youth League. Uh he, he put up some buckets, and Pat Frymuth retweeted it. There might be some kind of relation. Pat might have some stock in the New England Storm basketball team. I have no idea. There's, I, I don't know who this kid is, but Pat Frymuth uh, retweeted him. So there you go, Brent. There's your Red Pat Sox Frymuth. Red still in first place, by Fun the way. I just watched a guy walk by with a Yankees hat on, too, so I had to say that. Okay. So we're feeling great. We had some buttons. And now here's where you come in. And you explain to me, Coos, the audience, why did we pick Aleem McNeil, 45, interior defensive lineman, North Carolina State? And go. I I want some beef on the D-line. Urban Meyer says we can't win football games without a good defensive line. Mm. Christian Barmore was picked and Mm. off the board by 25, Mm. or I likely would have gone there. Mm. And they're... I like McNeil the more I read about him. I think there's tremendous upside. This was somebody that we were asked about early in the draft process Mm. and then has since been forgotten about. I think McNeil has a chance to be a really good player in the NFL, and he could come along at a nice rate with the Jacksonville Jaguars, still make an impact early on here on that defensive front. McNeil. Keep an eye on him. If the Jags don't get him, he's going to be a good player in this league. You have my word. All right, just, just mute him. Okay, that, 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 was, that was far too much of an explanation, okay? He took that right from Daniel Jeremiah, because I read it this morning, okay? He copied Daniel Jeremiah. Aleem McNeil is 6'2", 330 pounds, and he plays nose tackle. He's not going to play a 3-4 defensive tackle. He's far too short. And once again, quoting the scouts, he has stubby arms. So there's no way you're going to put him as a 3-4 defensive end. 
So you essentially just drafted a 3-4 nose tackle at pick number 45. Oh, and by the way, last time I checked, we spent some money on Malcolm Brown, who is our starting nose tackle right now. So congratulations. You used the 45th pick on a luxury number one, on a Taven Bryan luxury number one, and we use them as a nose tackle, and he's only going to be a nose tackle. The prosecution rests. Do you think, did Tyson Alualu end up here, or did I miss something? Because he's in Pittsburgh. Did I just say nose tackle and nothing else, Brent? Hmm. Carry on. Ah, yeah. Carry on. Not, not going the way you thought it was going to go, huh? This is why you should have went to the game. You should have exited out early. You had all the opportunity to. And now you're going to sit and listen to your talking, too. Pick number 65, Yaman, Jaman, Yaman, Yaman Davis, linebacker, Kentucky. Okay. Didn't use AWS because there's no way he's going to be at pick 65. I hope you knew that, but you probably didn't. But let me go and educate you real quick. I understand this guy is shooting up draft boards right now. But, Brent, I've mentioned this so many times on the show, and you obviously haven't listened to me. Jamin Davis right now ran a 4-3 at his pro day. Has over an 11-inch broad jump. Yada, yada, yada. Long story short, he's a freak of nature. Oh, by the way, a 42-inch vertical. He's jumping over people, Brent. And why do I bring all this up? Well, Brent, first of all, explain to me what, why you think that Yaman Davis or Jamin Davis can come to the Jacksonville Jaguars and be a key, key contributor right away. Well, I, there is a little bit of value here mm. over need, without question. But I sat there and talked to Trent Bulky, mm. and I know he values value. I know mm. Urban Meyer is talking about value and learning about value more than the need. And this is a guy that a lot of people believe will be gone by the middle of the second round at worst. Mm. And he kept dropping and dropping. And so with that athletic freak kind of ability, and also the curiosity with Joe Schobert and the ability for Davis to play weak side and middle, I believe this was a very good value pick but probably and admittedly more toward next year and down the road. But you give a guy a little time to get his feet under him in the NFL. All right, so now let's talk about down the line, okay? And you brought up some great points. Now let's go ahead and crush those great points, and let's crush those dreams a little bit. You said weak side linebacker. Something happened with Miles Jett? Did something happen with Miles Jett? Did he get stung by some bees? I know he had some beehives. Was this like a that like, kind of like that movie from, from – uh, my girl, where the kid was allergic, and he didn't know he was allergic, and he got stung by bees, and he's in the hospital. Did something happen to Miles Jack, Brent? I, I, is he okay? I thought you played in the NFL, and you know that not everybody stays healthy for all 17 games now okay. in mm. the NFL. This is a nice little guy. This is a guy that can play two positions mm. and you do have an nope. injury for a nope. few games. And, and see, and, and here's where we got too cocky. Here's where Brett had those wax wings flying a little too close to the sun a la Icarus. Oh yeah, I know Icarus. I know my Greek mythology. Shout out to Miss Banal, who was the best Greek mythology teacher I ever had in high school. Nevertheless, Kuz, how many times have I said on the show, you never put the most athletic guy at middle linebacker. You've heard me say it a couple of times. We must be making T-shirts that I've said it so much. And, Brent, here you're going to tell me 
that Miles Jack didn't get stung by bees, and Miles Jack is still the starting weak side linebacker of your Jacksonville Jaguars, and you're going to tell me, well, we're just going to bring Jamin Davis in as a depth play for Miles Jack, but then we're going to put him in the middle because, well, you know, this guy's good. He's increasing he, for the future, for the future, as Brent says. Did we not just have this problem with Miles Jack a couple years ago? Did I not hear, did I not sit here and say, day in and day out, hey, Todd Watch, why is your most athletic guy playing the middle linebacker spot? Let him run around. Let him be a playmaker. Well, now we just brought in one of the most athletic freaks of the entire 2021 draft class. And you know what we're going to say? We're going to say, hey, man. Ride the bench behind Miles Jack because he didn't get stung by bees, or go ahead and play middle linebacker. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna taper you out a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna reel you in. Oh, do, do you like to run around? Yeah, we're not gonna run around anymore. What you're gonna do is you're gonna call plays. Oh, I'm sorry. You have a 41 inch vertical. Have fun using that 41 inch vertical when you're calling out plays because because that, that's your job now. So let's go ahead and taper that athleticism, and we're not gonna worry about that. Welcome to the middle linebacker spot, uh, Jamin Yaman Davis. Pick 107, and, and by the way, no no need for rebuttal, Brett. We're, we're moving on. Uh, pick 106, Hunter Long. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's a tight it's a it's a tight end bay alert or it's a draft need alert, depending what you want to say if you're a millennial or not. I'm gonna give you that one value. Um, yeah, you and Trent had a, had a good one there. Uh, I, I'm not sure how Dave Caldwell feels about you talking to Trent Balky all of a sudden because there's probably some bad blood there. But let's not let's not even address that right now. Uh, pick 130, Stone Forsyth. Yeah, you know, I mean, fair. Um, the big knock on Storm Forsythe, though, is he lacks a little of the aggressiveness. And here's why I say this. Scouts say the same thing about Storm Forsythe. Great in the pass game, lacking in the run game. Nine times out of ten when there's a guy that's lacking in the run game, it means he doesn't have that mentality. He doesn't have that mean streak. He doesn't eat gravel for breakfast, as some scouts are going to say. Um, and he's a little more technical. Not a bad thing, but I like my offensive lineman a little more nasty, a little more dirty, if you will, right? Just like Christine Aguilera used to say, want to get dirty. That's how I want my offensive lineman to play. And I'm not sure if Stone Forsythe is that guy. Pick 145, Jonathan Cooper. The, there's the Ohio State one, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, there's the Ohio State one. Brent had to get one Florida in. Florida and Ohio State in there. Brent had to get one of those guys in, right? He goes to Columbus. He meets with the people a little bit. I'm sure some guy told him about Jonathan Cooper at the edge. Not mad at it. Fair once again for value. Pick 170, Chris Evans. Oh, this is a great pick. This is a great pick. Couple red flags, though, huh? Great pick. Couple red flags for your first year in Urban Meyer. Let's... Take away the part that he's from Michigan. We know Urban Meyer does what guys from Michigan. Wouldn't even put the letter M in his Twitter bio. It was a big X, okay? Doesn't like Michigan guys, but also this guy has a little red flag to him because he's been suspended. Because he's been benched. Because he's had academic issues. And you're going to bring that guy in now to the team where we have... <laughs> What's he going to school in Jacksonville? Excuse me, what? Huh? <laughs> Huh? What's he going to? What's he going to grad school or medical school here in Jacksonville? No, but I'll tell you what, he he he's coming to the Urban Meyer School of Hard Knocks. Okay, he's coming to the Joe Cohen Culture Philosophy of Hard Knocks. All right, I'm not sure what Darren Bevel brings to the table, but I'm sure it's old school as well. And if you bring those red flags in here, it could be a nightmare. It could be cause for trouble. I'm not sure where Chuba Hubbard went, but you better you should have taken Chuba Hubbard over Jonathan Cooper or Chris Evans, because I guarantee Chuba Hubbard was there, not using AWS to your best advantage. And then pick 249, last I one. I'm going to stand for the national anthem, so you got to finish this. 
Um, <laughs> what? He's just, he's just gonna walk, be honest. I don't see any national anthem playing. Okay, they're they're standing up. Yeah, they're yeah they're standing. Okay, well this last guy, I'll be honest. Two forty nine, Kuz. Can you say his name? Uh, Womp Womp. What what Wop Philor Wop Filer Wop Wop. That's not a real name. I think Brent's trolling me here. <laughs> Let me go ahead and go, cause I'll be honest, everybody. Didn't do a lot of homework on this one because, once again, I can't stress this enough. I am so disappointed. I am so di- – and I'm not even mad, right? I'm that parent right now that is so disappointed in what Brent no, Brent, Brent, Brent no brought this table because he took Aline McNeil at pick 45. Um, yeah, he picked a wide receiver. Fine. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, have a day. You got two tight ends. You got a wide receiver. It is what it is. Uh, this would be the part where I chew into Brett Martino some more, but he's using the national anthem as an excuse, which, okay, I'm not going to lie. Good excuse. All right. Um, he timed this up very well. But overall, really a crappy mock draft. One of the worst ones that we've had on the show all season. And wow, I'm so mad. And, and, and you know what? I'm so upset about Ali McNeil because he tried. Brett Martino tried to go oh, get him back here. He's coming back. I can see him in the video right now. Brent, you're back? back. I'm uh, back. Hey. I'm back, and I'm disappointed in you that you didn't play the WAP in front of WAP Fillior. So, you know what, man? I, I'm still upset that Elite McNeil would pick 45, and I can't get over this. I'm so upset that you had some. What's up? Would you have been more upset if I didn't have an interior defensive player at all? Well, maybe one that can play a defensive end would be fantastic. Yeah. So you don't want sit there in silence. A nose tackle. You would rather have them get a guy who can play either both or defensive end. Brent, how many nose tackles are going to line up in a three technique or in a five technique and rush the passer? Maybe two. Their names? One at a time. But maybe two. Their their names, Brent? (laughs) Malcolm Brown. Okay. Aleem McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Well, listen. I, I sp- oh, by the way, is, is Watt Filer a real person? Or did you just throw him in there just to make fun? Like, just- uh, yeah. Okay. No, he is. In fact, I didn't even do a scouting report on him. I just said, sure. if we get a guy named Wap, I'm all over it. I, like <laughs> I kind of did that for the broadcasting of the things. I got you. But I'm really disappointed in you guys from a producing standpoint that you didn't play a little, little Wap. I mean, I see where you're going, Brent, but let's be honest. The, the, we we could have played the WAP. If you would have addressed the interior defensive line a little better, if you would have addressed the linebacker spot a little better, and I get it, Jamin Davis, Yaman Davis, good value there. But once again, playing behind Miles Jack or playing out of position, so not good either way, we would have had a little more fun on this show. But you wanted to be a rebel. You want to be an individual, very millennial-esque of you, and you want to go do your own thing. And now here we are. I hope you're happy with yourself. I hope it went better tomorrow. I get a T-shirt. Get, get, get yourself a T-shirt, okay? Spend how much of your spend on it and enjoy yourself. If it was me talking to you, I would say cut that T-shirt, but it is what it is because I'm that disappointed in you, Brent. But it is what it is. I just hope that this Negative energy does not get brought in tomorrow when you have the 25th pick on the ESPN show. That's all I'm going to say. Because that pick represents you and me. 
Hopefully, I'll I'll raise the uh, banner very well tomorrow on ESPN in the morning. Uh, that Keyshawn, Jay, and Zubin on ESPN 690 listen to the 25th overall pick and who I decided with no help from Austin Lane. Never. All right, because of my Elite McNeil pick, I'll suspend myself for the final hour of the show. Mm, there Not it really. is. I'm going to watch some ball. Enjoy. You take over from here. Enjoy. On uh, ESPN 690. And by the way, folks, don't forget, draft night just around the corner, and you can meet the pick courtesy of TIAA Bank. Just visit TIAABank.com slash meet the pick to register each day through draft night. No purchase required to enter or win. For eligibility and other details, see the official rules at TIAABank.com slash meet the pick. Football at 5 coming up next on ESPN 690.